Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and I have today with me, Melissa Turner. You guys know Melissa, don't you? Everybody knows Melissa. I feel like, yes, yes, Melissa, everybody knows you. You're you're so many things to so many people, and I'm just so glad to have you here with me today. Oh my gosh, Kelly. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like it's been a while since I've actually done a podcast or an inter- interview or, or anything like that. It's I kind of went into hibernation to focus on other things now. And so this is like my coming out experience again. So I'm privilege to share it with you, Kelly, Kelly. But first of all, thank you so much for having me on too. And thank you for those who are watching and listening. Absolutely. It's so funny because I always tell a story about how I know the guest of the show. And of course, you know, I was watching Melissa from afar, from a distance and, you know, would show up at meetings with her and it's always the, Hey, can I catch you later? Hey, you know, can we, we'll see you at this function thing. And it's just, you get so busy and it's just, you have to take the time to slow down. So last time I saw her, I said, I'm going to get you on the show. I'm going to, we're going to talk for real and let the listeners get to know more about you. But Melissa, I've always admired you. I've been in, um, I was in a workshop with you. I think it was with Elevate Oral Care and got to listen to your voice and what you're about. And of course, I'm a big fan of yours. So I listen to you everywhere. So um, just thank you for what you do for everyone on behalf of, you know, everyone here. Thank you. That means so much. And I told you not to make me cry because this is, I said, this is the one day I have on makeup this week. So do not make me cry, but thank you. I appreciate everything that you just said. Um, you know, it's, it's one, one lesson I've learned and I'm sure we're going to dive into all of this later knowing you, but one lesson I've learned, um, throughout the years is that when you become a leader or when you're in a leadership position, it can get lonely. Even, even when you're at conferences, right? Like you got a million things to do, meetings to have, you're speaking or whatever, but it could get lonely at, at, at the top or in the leadership position, whatever you want to call it. And so to be able to kind of break it down and have moments like this where with you, where I can actually connect with you, finally connect with you and then connect with those who are listening, you know, these are precious moments to me and, and I don't want to take that for granted. So thank you so much for having me on today. Absolutely. And you're, you're so right about that. I know we're going to dig in, but the, <laughs> it can be so lonely, especially when you're a solopreneur, which I know that you're not exactly a solopreneur, but 
you can be sometimes you can act, you know, solo, or you can be with the partner that you that you have the business with. But sometimes you just get in your own head too, mm-hmm. and you start to question yourself with that monologue that mm-hmm. goes on there. So what mm-hmm. I'd like to first know, I'm eager to know, is why dental hygiene? Like why why did you choose dental hygiene? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So, you know, that's a question that you would think everyone, every one of us hygienists would have an answer for, but it's, it's hard to figure out like why. So for me, I would, I would imagine that my first experience with dentistry was going to the orthodontist. I mean, I went to the dentist and that didn't really impress me. Honestly, I was like, okay, they're going to tell me I need to floss again. Right. Uh, but then I started ortho at a pretty young age, you know, seven, early seven, six, and uh, I was out of braces by, you know, by 12, What right when all my friends were getting braces. And just that dichotomy of, of realizing, oh, I spent, you know, every six weeks in, a de- in an orthodontist office over that time period in my life, I think it was transformational. I mean, I still remember the smell, obviously, of like walking in and I didn't like it at the time. Now I love it. <laughs> Right. I didn't like it at that time, but I think I think that is that's probably the inspiration to getting into some kind of oral health practitioner role. And then after high school, I started uh, kind of during college, um, like my prereqs, I started uh, as a dental assistant in a local dental office. And the hygienist there, her name was Julia. She might even be listening. Hi, Julia. Uh, But the hygienist there, this was in Pennsylvania. She really encouraged me. She's like, Melissa, you you want to, she's like, I know you already just by, you know, the little bit of time that we have together. But I want you to think about becoming a dental hygienist. And, you know, that was really the first time I was in kind of a mentorship role where somebody was like, Hey, Melissa, like you'd be great for this. And so that's the path that I kind of went on and it was a great path, but I have to say this, Kelly, and I I'm curious to see if you went through this too. The first couple of years of being a clinical hygienist was tough. It was tough because I got bored. I was like, this is this is this is hard because I don't feel autonomous. I don't feel like I can make my own decisions. Um, and it was just day in and day out of the same old. And I'm a very creative person. And I was like, I, I can't figure out how to get creative with this. And I was even, you know, restoring, I was an EFTA as well, so I could restore some fillings and things like that. So I was getting a little bit of creativity, like art project kind of type stuff in my day, but it wasn't what I wanted. And so backtracking a little bit, that's when I realized, you know, what I really want to do is become a business owner within dentistry. Mm. And, and so then that's kind of my longer story of why I'm still a hygienist, but not necessarily as clinical as I once was. And I, I think you're so right in that, because as you were saying that, I was thinking it was around year two or three, I, it's almost like, and it's not that I didn't love it because I loved it. I still love it. I, I love, I love getting my fingers wet and, and doing yeah. that and being with the patient, just that oneness with the patient, because it's all yeah. about people and that connection that you build, yes. which was my favorite part and changing lives and making smiles. So there's a lot of my favorite, <laughs> parts, all my favorite parts, but I felt like the walls were closing in on me. Mm-hmm. Like what else, what else? I feel like I need to make, I felt a calling. And it sounds like that you experience the same thing. And yes, I can keep up. I mean, you're in, you're an EFTA, so you totally know what it's like to do other things other than you know just the just the entry level dental hygiene scope and what you learn in school. 
Mm-hmm. So what was it that made you say, I want more? Mm-hmm. What was it that made you do that? You know, I think for, for the first, uh, probably for the first 10 years of my marriage, we'll switch gears here. I was traveling and this is a huge part of my story. I was, I was following my husband's educational journey around. And so it meant one year here, two years here, another year here. Like we were all over the world in essence. And so it was during that time that I started to feel a little bit stuck in the op because I was doing a lot of temping short term, you know, maternity leaves, like doing just whatever I could to feel, fill the space. And I think that was once we kind of toned down the traveling, I think that's when I realized, hey, I, I'm in one location now for four years. What do I really want to do with my career? What do I really, you know, do I want to be 40 hours in the op, which is great. I love that. Like you said, I love that, that, that being with the patients, getting that connection. Um, and I love the technology that we get to use every day. But it was just one of these things where, okay, I'm a little bit more settled now. We were just having kids too. And now I was like, okay, I, I got to get my priorities in straight. What can I do? What can I do clinically? What can I do out of the op, but still be in dentistry? Um, and so that that transition kind of ha- happened, you know, while we finally settled down from traveling, from, <laughs> from living here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And too, I think that whole saying of when you, when you're just still, you know, just be still and you'll, and you sort of find it. It's because it's in that constant movement that sometimes we get so busy and caught up in what we're doing, what we think we should be doing. It's when we slow down that we find ourselves, we have that sense of self-awareness and we're able to say, okay, well, how does this actually feel to me? And is this what I want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so. Like it's true for you. Oh, certainly. And, and bringing humans into the world, having children, whether you birth them or adopt them or foster them, or even having plant babies or fur babies. I mean, that, that's a privilege and that's, that's, that's a way to, it's a good excuse to reset your priorities and to be still and to say, what, what do I want to spend my precious time on now? Now that I have these beings that I need to care for that rely on me, right? What kind of legacy do I, do I want to set up for them in the future? And so for me, what you said definitely applies. And then this also applies. You know, it's all about, okay, like we only have one life and it's YOLO, baby. YOLO. <laughs> you got it. And two, I realized that it was so, what was bizarre for me, and I talk about this from time to time, but I realized that I wasn't Kelly, just the mom and Mm. Kelly, uh, not just the mom, but Kelly, the mom, Kelly, this Mm. Kelly, the sister, Kelly, the daughter, I was so much more. And that was so Mm. powerful to me when I started to uncover those layers because it was so much more. I had such giftings outside and we all do. It's not unique to me. It's just you know, what you were meant to gift the world because you are a gift and everyone in your life is a gift mm-hmm. for you to learn from. And it's in those steps that I took those tiny steps to say, mm-hmm. you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I know a little bit of what I'm doing, but it's in those when you step really scared that you find yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it sounds like that you went out of the app, you became a mom. And then what from there? What did you do? You started your own business. Tell me more. 
Mm-hmm. Well, so the story goes, I had my first child when I was in Minnesota, like Northern Minnesota. We moved there. I was eight months pregnant. Didn't even own a house yet. Didn't know where we were going to live. And, um, I couldn't work clinically at that point because I chose to stay home with my kids. I could work on the evenings and weekends, but we were small town, Minnesota. Nothing was open evenings and weekends. And so I'm like, that. that's when I started to organize my priorities. You know, I'd be nursing a kid or breastfeeding, <laughs> breastfeeding on the one side um, or pumping on the other side. And I'd be sitting there thinking, what do I want to do in my life? What are my strengths? What are my passions? Where can I take this? And so it was at that point, literally, I was exhausted, depleted in the newborn stages, right? I had a rough pregnancy, rough delivery, two or three months into having my first kid. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my crap in order with my career. So what are my passions? So I gave I for the first time in my life, I made a 10 year plan a 10-year plan. And I said, okay, for the first two years, I can't get out of the house a lot. I'm going to you know, hit the journals hard. I'm going to write as much content as I can. You know, Then for the next two years, I'm going to get as many speaking engagements as I can. And in the meantime, I'm going to social network the heck out of everybody, right? And so I came up with this 10-year plan. And then, of course, it's changed, right? But it's that was, that was the start of, okay, Melissa is not just a mom, not just a hygienist, not just, you know, a 20 year old anymore, not just even a 30 year old anymore. She is not just that she is whoever she wants to be. And I love talking in third person because it like puts it in a whole other perspective. It sure does. It sure does. It's like, it makes it real, doesn't it? It does. Your own life. Yes. One of my favorite things that uh, we all know, Sonia Dunbar, she's my very good friend and, and business partner in several of my businesses. But she always, she one of the things she says is, is, be nice to yourself. Be nice to my friend, Melissa, Melissa. Like she'll say it to me and it'll just put it in a whole new perspective. And I'm like, of course, I'm so glad that she's saying that to me to bring that new perspective of be nice to myself, be nice to, you know, and then I start talking, breaking out the third person. And of course, then I'm talking to myself in the mirror in the bathroom and my husband comes up like, Melissa, what are you doing? <laughs> Who are you talking to? Myself. Myself, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Can't you hear us talking? <laughs> <laughs> you can join the conversation, but it might get awkward. <laughs> so then you went and you, and you discovered this and you... And when I tell you, you know, I I won't go into it now, like how similar we were. And I was like inventing patents while I was nursing and my mind couldn't stay still. I just wanted, I wanted to, wanted to, wanted to, wanted to, you know, I wanted to. And so you, where did you start after that? I mean, because now, I mean, you have a mobile mobile dentistry company, you, I mean, you're, you have a podcast now, you, you have many things uh, other than what I even know about, like, mm-hmm. how did, what was your first thing? What was your, what was your win? What was your fail? Would you say? And some advice from that? Oh my gosh. Win and fail. You know, I think my biggest win was learning to trust my gut. Uh, you know, if, if I would have a conversation with somebody, an initial convert meet and greet conversation, and I just didn't feel right about it. I, you know, the old Melissa back in the day, early young Melissa, I would have just continued that relationship and continued on. And it wouldn't, you know, it may not have worked to my benefit or worked out at all. And so, uh, you know, as a career, 
now one of my biggest wins is learning to trust my gut, to trust that intuition. And you have to, as a woman in business and a woman in dentistry, as a clinician, you have to trust your gut uh, to be able to move forward. Uh, the other thing too, uh, one of the lessons I've learned along the way is uh, you can always say no later. So even though that can work backwards, you know, for me, I will take, used to take on any project. I like, I just, cause I'm having fun in dentistry, right? Like give tell me, I'll just, I'll make it work. You know, I'd be, I'd be just like working myself to the bone. Uh, right. But then I learned, I can say no, but that didn't feel right. But now what I've learned is I can always say yes and no later. And so, you know, if a company will come to me and say, Hey, Melissa, we'd really like to work with you for some influencer content, or we really want you to speak on our behalf. Um, most, most times I'll say yes. And I'll say, you know what, like, let's continue this conversation. Let's say yes, this sounds fun. This sounds like a great new project. And then knowing in my mind that I can, I can always say no later if it's not working out and just giving me, giving myself that permission to not always having to follow through with something I think was a big deal, a big learning curve for me. Um, you know, when I first started in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And to, if that's powerful, that's powerful to say, to say yes. I mean, and I think that we've all been in that situation and mm -hmm shoot i mean even in present day sometimes you're like am i doing the right thing you know mm -hmm. and you hear these voices you know that monologue that continues yeah and you, we're always at choice though we have mm -hmm. to remember that when we stay in that power of being in choice at choice for our lives that's and and just say you know i can do this at any time that i want because mm -hmm. this is the life i'm creating and mm -hmm. it's 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 either, it's either for me and it feels good and it doesn't feel good and it's not for me Mm -hmm, mm hmm. And I think that's a lesson for me as, as someone who is now a business owner, you know, sometimes I'll sit on my couch and I'll come up with a crazy idea for, for one of the organizations I work with or work for or own. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can make that happen. That's the craziest idea, but let's make that happen because I'm the one in charge, right. Versus having to have this, like, having to present ideas to your boss or your manager or the CEO, uh, but not knowing, having that fear, not knowing if, if they're going to like it. Like, what if I say the wrong words? Now I, I'm just talking to myself all day and with these crazy ideas and go make it happen. And so uh, I think for me, fear, fear-based decision-making is, is a lesson that, um, uh, I've, I've had to work through as a business owner. And so that that's been interesting, but it's only in retrospect that oops, only in retrospect that you can kind of learn these lessons. Oh, I went through that. I didn't know I was going through that at the time, but I definitely went through that. Yeah. And, oh, that's why. Yeah, and that's exactly. exactly why that happened because this is where I was supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. And I got to meet this person or this opportunity opened up. So when mm -hmm. you say yes, you're saying yes to yourself and other opportunities and you can mm -hmm. say no later. So you're, mm -hmm. you start off at how many companies have you owned or co-owned? At, at <sighs> well, inside of dentistry. So I, I grew up with a family that owned small businesses. So that, that's just my mindset. Um, uh, so right now, um, 
I'll just tell you what what's kind of happening right now. Uh, I always have my own consulting business, and that's where most of my um, key opinion leader things come out of, or uh, the tooth girl influencer stuff on Instagram comes out of that as well. And that's my fun clinical side of me. Um, that's where I really get to hone in. And like when I do spend time in the clinical uh, op, like that, that's when that comes out. Um, and so then I also am co-founder of the National Mobile and Teledentistry Conference, like you were talking about. And uh, also along with that separate separate organization, uh, the Denobi Awards. So the Denobi Awards popped up out of nowhere uh, over COVID. Um, and this is, this is one of these uh, businesses that I co-own with Sonia Dunbar. And uh, the story with that was, you know, it's one of these crazy ideas. Sonia and I were just talking one day and we said, hey, this was years ago. We said, hey, how cool would it be to have a dentistry's, you know, a dental Oscars? How cool would that be? And um, we were like, yeah, okay, well, we made a five-year plan for it. Like after COVID, like down the road, this is good. This is good. And then over COVID, everyone in dentistry was just so depressed. And we were like, we have to do something on a large scale to be able to kind of up the ante to help to help with everyone to help get uh, dentistry centered again and like so we fast tracked the Denobi Awards and we said we're going to make this priority and so uh, this year it's going on its third year or its third gala its third year um, and typically we get hundreds of nominations and it's around the world it's it's amazing so dental professionals from around the world uh, will be nominated and then we come out with a short list that's pretty long but it's still short um, of about 40 to 50 people and then the night of the Denobi Awards gala which will be March 4th this year in um, in Dallas Texas uh, we announced 10 about 10 winners Um who who are outstanding individuals in dentistry um the unsung heroes in dentistry is really is really what we're celebrating um and then there's a team that usually wins as well and then there's the pinnacle achievement award that we give out that's the highest prize on that night um anyways i don't know how i got started on the denobi awards but that's that's what that is (laughs) um and that's one of the businesses i own too and then uh we sonia and i just launched a new one um, and this is going to span outside of dentistry um, and inside dentistry, but this is our first venture really in the public eye outside of dentistry. And it's launching as a podcast, but then more will come in the future. So it's called the I Woman Podcast. Um, and the tagline is unleashing your inner roar in the boardroom, the bedroom, and beyond. Uh, so that can get a little interesting there. But this podcast is for women in business, founders, C-suites, um, or women who want to be in those positions. Uh, because Sonia and I have a lot of experience, as do you, Kelly, as a business owner. And it can be very interesting as a woman. Uh, many different aspects. We're very underrepresented. Um across the world in on you know boards and in the c-suite roles very underrepresented i think beckers came out with a a new stat the other day it was maybe 20 percent of board positions are filled by women yeah yeah the top like 500 or 2000 you know companies in the world or something like that and i was like oh my gosh that is insane insane so this is our way of saying hey 
we're going to help those who were under underrepresented in business. And it's, it's not just for women, it's for min- minorities, it's for LGBTQ+, it's for anyone who's underrepresented. The iWoman movement is, is for them. Yeah. I love it. So you're, you're a spreader of joy and <laughs> inclusiveness. And mm-hmm. what do you, I mean, I have so many questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm like, how do I just choose one? <laughs> okay. Okay. So with all the things that you have learned, you share kind of like your, your, your failure, your, your, um, your win, what would you say are some top leadership lessons or the most powerful things that you've learned? You, you shared that to, um, to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. You can always, you can always say yes now and no later, mm-hmm. but then what are, what was like, if you had to choose one thing that has been like your true North through everything, what do you think that would be? Mm. This will come down to relationships um, and it'll be relationships, whether it's your team, those you're managing, your colleagues or your personal relationships. This is my one true North. Um, the lesson is to always allow others to change, whether it's change their mind about a decision, whether it's completely change who they are, whether it's just change anything. Don't box one another in. You know, I've gone through periods in my life, in my childhood, in my adulthood, where I've completely reimagined myself. And, you know, who I was when I married my husband 15 years ago is not who I am today. And even through, you know, all those 15 years, he's changed, I've changed, and we've changed multiple times. And I think that is the biggest gift that you can give someone, whether it's a coworker, whether it's, you know, a friend or a life partner is allow them to change. Don't assume that you know what they're going to say, you know, and, and this comes out of hardships that I've been through in my, in my own life. You know, I was very shy as a child. I remember just blushing all the time. Anybody, you know, any, anytime somebody would talk to me and I had the opportunity, um, when I was going into a uh, freshman year in high school, I had the opportunity to go to a different high school that was out of the district. It was a private school. And I, my parents gave me the choice. They said, Melissa, you can stay in the, in the public school district that you're going to, or you can go to this other high school. And I said, you know what? I want to start over. I want to become the person who I know I want to be at like 14. I don't know how old you are when you're a freshman. And so I started that high school, that freshman year, going around and talking to everybody, getting out of my comfort zone, you know, like, like um, really promoting what I wanted to be. And that's who I was, you know, at, at my heart. So I think that's the biggest life lesson in business and in personal relationships is let others change and completely change. That's a gift that you can give them. Oh, that's wow. Yeah, that's, I think I did that at age like 16, where I just decided yeah. that I was like, you know what, I have to decide what I'm going to do and who I'm going to be and who I'm going to show up as. Again, we're always a choice. And I think another way to say, you know, allow people to change, allow that in them. And, and I think another way that we hear it too is remain open-minded about what you you think is true mm-hmm. right? and what we think should, should be happening, happening because, you know, we, we all we can judge people for whether they're right or wrong, but they have a reason. We all have a reason while we're doing what we're doing. And if you mm-hmm. listen and remain open to that reason, you can learn a lot from another person. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And, you know, 
with, as I look at my kids, I always look at my kids and, you know, learn more about myself as I'm watching them. But also I see them interact and I learn life lessons all the time. And one of the life lessons is, you know, they, they're together all the time. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, both girls. They don't share room, but they're together all the time outside of that. And, and what happens is I see them get stuck in an argument and they'll try to, you know, they'll try to work it out, but they'll get to a point where they just need an excuse to change. Like they just need to get distracted or they just need like me to come in and say, okay, guys, let's just drop it. Let's move on. Um, and and that kind of a thing too, like in those moments, sometimes, or if you're having a, an argument with your life partner or spouse, you know, you just need that like icebreaker to get out of that argument and allow us to change out of the negative mindset or whatever situation was in. Yeah, exactly. For someone to say, okay, that's enough, you guys, is this really worth it? Or, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes too, it's that shift that, you know, that, that turn in conversation that makes the difference of having, having the conversation go in a constructive way mm-hmm. or not a constructive way where it could be damaging or harmful to the other person, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have to realize you have to I back again. It's like to that self-awareness of what am I really trying to do here before you take action on it and checking your emotions. Mm-hmm. That. And that's, that's such great advice and such great insight, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. What an amazing career. And I still, I, I kind of like want to have you back for like part two through 10. Okay. I'm going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just so grateful for you. And um, again, I'm just so grateful for you and getting to connect with you. How do people find you, get more mm-hmm. of you, work with you? How do mm-hmm. they find you? Yeah. Okay. So the easiest thing is Instagram. You can slip into my DMs, uh, the tooth girl on Instagram. Uh, other than that, you can go to my website at melissaKturner.com. Um, and you can always try me on other social platforms, but I, I might, you might not get an immediate response. It might take a couple of weeks, but Instagram and then melissaKturner.com are the two that, that I typically send people to. Awesome. And then we'll have, we have her, her, um, her direct uh, linked up information in the show notes as well. So Melissa, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been such an honor and pleasure to be with you. Kelly, I love spending time with you. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to find you and hug you. (laughs) Well, for all of our listeners, thank you so much for your time and all that you do for your patients, for the public. And if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor and rating us five stars on Apple, and then also liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. We would really appreciate it. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Enjoy. Thanks, Melissa.